0: Welcome to the Eastside Church Podcast. We're a community-driven church based in Charlotte, North Carolina, and invite you to join us on Sundays at 9 or 11 a.m. For more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co. I make one promise. Tonight I'm not going to pass out. Ain't that good? Say hallelujah. Hallelujah. So what I decided to do was preach the message I was supposed to preach Sunday. So if you got your Bibles, turn to Numbers, chapter sixteen. For your information, and I'm, you know you're not supposed to really tell this, but I guess uh, I guess I probably need to. I fasted from Wednesday to Sunday, and we were working outside, and I really counted three glasses of water that I drank in those four days which if you know anything about fasting, you probably shouldn't do that, and um, worked outside and painted, helped paint the church and stuff like that, and uh, took some, uh, my heart medication, which is, uh, you know, opens up your arteries and spreads the water. Anyhow, point of the matter is I was probably severely dehydrated, and the symptom for that is uh, disorientation, and so I was incredibly disoriented where I couldn't connect the dots, and I had blurred vision, and Heart issues going on, and it was a trip. <laughs> we won't do that again i I promise you we we won't do that again, and, but uh you know it was really a real deal. I think there's some spiritual things going on. The Lord really has showed me a lot of different things about that particular thing. One of them was you know going to the grounds we're going to, going taking the taking the territory back that we need to, you need to make sure that you're prepared. You know, you need to make sure that you're doing the things you need to do to be able to take that kind of ground because we're going to be dealing with some, some tough stuff. So I learned a lot as I went through it, so praise the Lord. It's always good to learn. But this particular message, I don't think the enemy wanted us to preach, and so I wasn't going to give him the glory for that. I'm going to preach this daggone thing, and it's going to be good. Amen? So let's start with 16. There's a lot to read We're going to go through numbers. We're going to go through 16 and a little bit of 17. And I'm just going to talk about it as we go and talk about the different things that we see in it. It is uh, very important that we know that God put this here to begin to teach us how to deal with the attacks of the enemy and how to identify them. One of the things that we've talked about before is how you know whether something's counterfeit or not is you really understand what the real deal is. You, have, you understand what the real thing is, and so when a counterfeit is put into your hand, you know what that is as well. And so uh, this is written in numbers to the church so that we would begin to understand what was going to begin to take place in the church. This is no accident. This is, this is very common to when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, also, Peter writes about a very similar thing in First Peter as he as he uh, begins to talk um, about how to to submit. And so, one of the things I want us to do with this today is think about relationships. Think about your marriage relationship if you're married. Think about your work relationship if you know if you have a boss or if you are a boss. You know, you have both of those kind of things that. Are, are taking place and we can see the enemy's tactics and how he would bring division and disunity and destruction not only to your company but to the relationships that you're in and his patterns are the same. And so we see that here with the rebellion against Moses and Aaron. Now Aaron and Moses have, have crossed the Red Sea. Now think about everything that's happened. They've been delivered from Egypt the you know the 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 plagues and the all the stuff that went on with pharaoh and and they crossed the Red Sea on dry ground and and all these things have occurred, and they've seen the glory of the Lord they've seen the miraculous works of god they've they've seen the glory of the Lord like no other generation has ever seen the glory of the Lord in masses and they they project it somewhere around a million people that are going across the desert, you know that are, that are moving across uh, with Moses. And um, so it's not a small group. It is a large contingent of believers that are witnessing the glory of God, uh, incredibly. And, and then we see that Moses is the one that God used. His name means deliverer. They knew that. They're, they spoke Hebrew. they knew what Moses meant in the Hebrew you know they didn't have to have some Bible scholar tell them that you know they knew that Moses meant deliverer and they knew that he was the deliverer and um, and so here we find them there was Korah the son of Isar the son of Kahath, the son of Levi with Dathan and Abiram the sons of Eliab and on and 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 on the son of Peleth, the sons of reuben and they took men and they rose up before moses with some of the children of israel about 250 leaders of the congregation representatives of the congregation they were men of renown they were men of high reputation they were men that were known as leaders in other words they didn't go to the people who were outcast or who didn't have influence these were the 250 most influential men of a million people they were the men of renown and one of the things that i want us to see as we as we see this is that rebellion always starts with a leader there's always somebody that starts the rebellion and there were three particular men here that satan began to deal with with bitterness and jealousy. He got into their heart. He made them bitter. He made them jealous against Moses. And then they began to find people that they could influence, that had influence, that could make the congregation rise up against Aaron and Moses. And so they were gathered against them. I I think that's an interesting concept, too, as we see that. They gathered together against Moses and against Aaron and they said to them you take too much upon yourselves for all the congregation is holy every one of them and the lord is among them when why then do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the lord so when moses heard it he fell on his face this is a beautiful picture of, of just coming before god and falling on your face before lord when you're when you're faced with adversity but this is interesting. You have three guys who influence two hundred and fifty men against two dudes. Now that could be intimidating, would you think you're in the middle of the desert, there's two of you, and there's two hundred and fifty of them and, and they're coming to you and they're saying to you, "You think too much of yourself you you you're you you know you're taking too much on." You're doing too much. The Lord is, he, he's with you, but he's also with us. It says, you take too much on yourself for all the congregation is holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. And so when you, when you see rebellion take place and you see Satan begin to operate amongst your co-workers, in your relationship with your wife or your husband, with your friendships or whatever it might be, what you're going to see is he's going to begin with some semblance of truth. And the truth of the matter was Moses and Aaron were exalted, but God exalted them. They didn't exalt themselves. You're going to see that their desire was to do the will of God, they didn't want the position. It's not something they wanted. If you'll remember, Moses was in the wilderness, and he tried to talk God out of this thing. He said, God, I can't even speak. Why do you want me to do it? And Aaron got duped into it because God said, well, you let Aaron speak for you. And Aaron said, I don't want to do that. So it's not somebody who's looking for a position. It's somebody that God has called out and said, I've got something for you. And so their heart wasn't for position, and it wasn't to lord over people, and it wasn't to be in a different position than the others. They were called to that position. And so they weren't really taking too much on themselves, although they were above the congregation. Does that make sense? Okay. That happens all the time, and you'll see it everywhere. You'll see it everywhere in our culture. So Moses falls on his face, and, and he spoke to Korah and all his company, saying, Tomorrow morning, now I read this, this, is, <laughs> I read this in the ancient, uh, there's this, there's this uh, translation, what's it called, babe? ancient roots translation, it takes the, takes the original Hebrew and it puts it in the original English, which is a little different than the new King James English, and man, Moses is ticked. <laughs> this is not. He's, when he's saying this, he's not saying, all right, this is what we're going to do. He's, he's ticked. He is very angry. And he's saying it like this. All right, you take your butt home and you get your stuff and you come back here and we're going to take it before God and we're going to see who God anointed. That's how Moses is saying it. That's the language and the attitude in which this is written. He's not happy. He falls on his face before God because he knows what's about to happen. And he also is not happy with what they're saying about him. And you'll see that here just a moment as we read. And so he fell on his face, and he spoke to Korah and his company, saying, Tomorrow morning, the Lord will show who is his and who is holy. The Lord's going to show us that and will cause him to come near to him. The one who's holy, God's going to cause to come near." beautiful thought about a son of God. If you've been called by God, if you're a son or daughter of God, God will cause you, if your heart is for Him and your heart is for His will, He will cause you to come near to Him. That is encouragement to me. He will cause me to come near. And and when and whoever is his, he's going to come near him. That, That one whom he chooses, he will cause to come near him. He says it again. The one he chooses, he'll call. Are you chosen by God? Are you the called out one? Are you holy? Yes. And so he causes you to draw near to him. Beautiful picture of Old Testament truth. To this, he says, do this. He says, take your censers, take censers, Korah, and all your company. Put fire in them, put incense in them before the Lord tomorrow, and it shall be that the man whom the Lord chooses is the Holy One, the one that's set apart, the one that's called out. You, You, Korah, take too much upon yourself, you the sons of Levi. In other words, you stepped outside of your bounds. You have just... Messed up. You just took too much on yourself. You saying that about me, well, what do you see that it's really true about you? You've overstepped your bounds. Moses is putting it right back. You can see that Moses is not pleased with what's going on. And so he says, he says, then, he says, You've taken too much. And then Moses said to Korah, hear now, you sons of Levi, is it a small thing? To you that the God of Israel has separated you from the congregation of Israel to bring you near to Himself, to do the work of the tabernacle of the Lord, and to stand before the congregation to serve Him. He said, Do you consider it a small thing the assignment that God has given you? And this is so big in marriage, this is so big in the workplace. This is so big when we think about our boss, when we think about promotions, when we think about people who get promotions there is a there's a spirit that goes with this and it's a spirit of bitterness and jealousy and rich rich, rich witchcraft and rebellion and it is rampant in our culture. We' are looking for position and the Lord says to you and me. Aren't you satisfied with the position that you have? Be content where you are. Don't be jealous for something that somebody else has. has. Don't be coveting something else. He says, You've overstepped your bounds because you've come to me, you've tried to call me out, and you're wanting my position. Aren't you satisfied with what God has given you? Think about that in the workplace. Think about that in your marriage. Ladies, it's so difficult today in our culture and our society to accept God's version of marriage because we're told by the world something different, this contrary that makes you want to do something this outside of the way God designed it. It's an attitude. It's rebellion. And it's witchcraft. Described by scripture. And it has a spirit on it. And so is it a small thing? And he says, and that he has brought you near to himself. He, God's bringing you near to him and you're discontented. You and all your brethren, the sons of Levi, with you, are you seeking the priesthood also? Therefore, if you've got your Bible, circle that, are you seeking the priesthood also? Underline it, circle it, something. Are you seeking the priesthood also? That's verse 10. Therefore, you, are, you and all your company are gathered together against the Lord. In other words, what, he's, what Moses is saying here is this. You're coming, you, you, your intent was to come against me and Aaron. But let me tell you who you're really coming against. You're coming against the Lord. You're not coming against me and Aaron. When we come against the authority that's been put in place over you, whether it's at work or whether it's our government, whether it's a police officer or, or whoever it might be, whether it's in a church environment. It doesn't matter what kind of environment it is when we when we come against with slander against those in authority over us. It's rebellion and It rich witchcraft. Thank you. Southern tongue got in the way. Right. It is. And and God says about Himself: There's no authority that's been put in place that I didn't put there. No authority rises to authority without me putting them there. And so when we rise up against the authority that's above us, what we're really rising up against is the Lord. Because He established it. Now that that doesn't mean that you have to take abuse. But that's not usually the case. That's not the case here, and it's not usually the case. For us as well, we just don't like the way things are doing. We just think we could do it better. There's something about what's going on that we somehow feel like if we were in charge, we'd be a lot better off. Or if we had more say. Or those kinds of things, right? Well, that's what you see going on right here a total discontentment. And then he, he asks, Are you seeking? The priesthood also. What's important about that is that is that is an incredibly awesome thought when you start thinking about the sales pitch that Satan must have put on him. Because what are you and I because of the blood of Jesus? We're priests. You see, everything that he's going after is true. Satan did the same thing with Jesus. He said to Jesus, He took him to the pinnacle of the temple and He showed him all the world. And He said to Jesus, If you'll just bow down to me, I'll give you the whole world. I'll give you all of this. And the truth of the matter is, Satan had the ability to do that because he was the prince of this world but but jesus knew that he was going to be the lord of this world but it wasn't going to be by bowing down to satan how he was going to be lord of the world was to be die on the cross shed his blood be raised from the dead be the firstborn into heaven raised to newness of life and he was going to conquer death and the grave And he was going to be established on the throne at the right hand of God. But Satan wanted him to do an end around. Satan tried to tempt him with something that he was going to have. Now the truth of the matter is, right here, they wanted the priesthood, which was premature. It's the truth. It just was before it was supposed to occur. Right? Do you see that? And so Satan is trying, what he's going to do with you, he's going to try to get you to jump the gun. He's going to try to get you to want something really badly and try to take it yourself before God makes provision for you. It's, It's all over Scripture. It's all over this passage of Scripture. That you're going to want position, that you're going to want something, and then you're going to try to manipulate your way into it. Witchcraft always appeals to truth. And what the devil does, he tries to make you jealous because it's his attempt to get you out of your anointing into something you can't handle before it's time, into a position that'll kill you and it'll kill, or it'll kill everybody around you. In other words, you're going to fail because it's not time for you to do that yet. And God is the one who chooses His anointed. So in verse 11, He says, Therefore you and all your company be gathered together against the Lord. And what is Aaron that you complain against him? That's such a wild statement you and all your company are gathered together against the lord he says not against me and not against aaron <laughs> and he says who is chris what you gathered against chris for he's nothing he's like a nobody that's, right. <laughs> <laughs> that's what that's what he's saying about aaron you know you're coming and gathering against aaron who is aaron You're not gathering against Aaron. You're gathering against the Lord. Because Chris is just Chris. Aaron was just Aaron. What do you think you're doing? You know, and I know you're awesome, brother. But you get the point. You get the point. he's He's just my buddy. He's my brother, for heaven's sake. What you coming against him for? And Moses sent to call Dathan and abram the sons of eliab and and they said we will not come up they 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 rebelled against him we're not going up you tell us to come up we ain't coming is it a small thing that you have brought us up out of the land flowing with milk and honey they're calling egypt the land flowing with milk and honey now to kill us in the wilderness that you should keep acting like a prince over us Moreover, you have not brought us into a land flowing with milk and honey, nor given us inheritance of fields and vineyards. Will you put out the eyes of these men? Will you? Will you not come up? We will not come up. Are you going to put the eyes of these guys out? In other words, what are you calling us together for? You hadn't. You hadn't done a thing that you said you were going to do. You hadn't. You hadn't. you, You know. You brought us out of this place. You're not bringing this to a. What are you going to do? Poke our eyes out when we get up there. We're not coming. Have you ever seen that in church? Anybody ever experienced that in church that's ever been in leadership? Ain't doing it. You can't make me raise my hands. (laughs) I've seen that. (laughs) Make me worship. (laughs) You can't do it. I've seen that. I mean, I've seen it. You can't make me pray. I ain't praying out loud. I ain't never prayed out loud. I ain't going to do it now. <laughs> Heard all that stuff. I ain't going to do kids. You can't make me. I know you need help, but I, that ain't me. That's somebody else. I ain't going to tithe. Tithe is not even scripture. You can't make me tithe. You ever heard heard or seen it? (laughs) It's there, isn't it? The scripture's alive. It's not dead. It's it's all over the church. But it's the devil's tactics that that we've got to be around. The reason this is written for us is to tell us that he ain't changed a bit. He's still doing the same stuff that he's always done. So... He says, what are you going to do, poke our eyes out? I'm not going to come up there. Moses was very angry. I'd underline very angry because he didn't sin. And he was very angry. And said to the Lord, do not respect their offering. I have not taken one donkey from them, nor have I hurt one of them. And Moses said to Kor, Tomorrow you and all your company, you all be present before the Lord, you and they as well as Aaron. Let each take his censer and put incense in it, and each of you bring his censer before the Lord. 250 censers, both you and Aaron, each with his censer. And so there's 250 men out there standing with their censer, and there's Aaron. So every man took his censer, put fire in it, laid incense on it, and stood at the door of the tabernacle of meeting with Moses and Aaron. And Korah gathered all the congregation against them at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. So you've got Dothan, you've got the three dudes, right, the three leaders. You've got 250 of the most influential people of a million people standing there with their offering before God and Aaron, right? And so Korah goes against the rest of them. And so the congregation is out here watching when all this is taking place. And so it's somewhat of a spectacle, right? We're all outside. They're all watching. There's 250 men standing there thinking they're right, thinking they know better, thinking their way's best. And then there's Aaron, who don't even want to be there. <laughs> so Korah gathers all the people at the door of the tabernacle, meeting all those 250, and then the glory of the Lord appeared to all the congregation. I love this. All those people are there. Verse 20, and the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron. He didn't talk to the rest of them. He talked to the anointed. He talked to Moses and Aaron. (laughs) Look at what he says. Separate yourselves from among this congregation that I may consume them in a moment. And it's really clear, it's not so clear in the New King James, but it's really clear in the, uh, in the ancient roots, the, uh, the Hebrew and the original English. But the people are the ones, they heard Moses say this, they heard God tell Moses, separate yourself from among this congregation that I may consume them in a moment. And the people fell on their faces and they said, O oh God, the God of the spirits of all flesh, shall one man sin and you be angry with all the congregation? So the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the congregation, saying, Get away from the tents of Korah and Dathan and Abiram. And then Moses rose and went to Dathan and Abiram, and the elders of Israel, they followed him. And he spoke to the congregation, saying, Depart now from the tents of these wicked men, touching nothing of theirs, lest you be consumed in all their sins. So they got away from around the tents of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. And Dathan and Abiram came out and stood at the door of their tents with their wives, their sons, and their little children. And Moses said, By this you shall know that the Lord has sent me to do all these works, for I have not done them of my own will. I've got that underlined in my Bible. I'm not being motivated by anything of my own will. I'm being motivated by the will of God. And you're going to know that this is not what I want to do. This is what God wants to do. If these men die naturally like all men, or if they are visited by the common fate of all men, then the Lord has not sent me. But if the Lord creates a new thing, (laughs) if it were me, I'd circle a new thing and the earth opens its mouth and swallows them up with all that belongs to them and they go down alive into the pit then you will understand that these men have rejected the lord do you think that moses had a clear vision of what god was going to do god gave moses exactly what was going to happen and then he he speaks it out over them and and then it happens now it came to pass as he finished speaking all these words that the ground split apart under them and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up with their households and all the men with Korah with all their goods so, that, so they and all those with them went down alive into the pit. The earth closed over them and they perished from among, among the assembly. Then all Israel who were around them fled at their cry. For they said, lest the earth swallow us up. In other words, they said, let's get out of here. (laughs) I mean, you you could see all this taking place. And a fire came out from the Lord and consumed the 250 men who were offering incense. Gone. My God is a consuming fire. What did he consume? Rebellion. rebellion. He consumed anything that was contrary to his will. Moses' was intent was to carry out the will of God. If you don't think, if you think grace and mercy covers your rebellion... And your rebellion is not going to bear fruit. You are sadly mistaken. Rebellion bears fruit. It will not be held against you in heaven, but it bears fruit on earth. Does that make sense? If you're saved, if you're saved, it's still going to bear fruit. And God hates rebellion. And it's going to remove the blessing of God on your life if you operate in witchcraft and rebellion. And that's what he's consuming. Now you say, boy, that's that's an angry, intolerant God. No, it's not. Was that even God's will? No. God's will is to carry him into the promised land. Their behavior and their attitude and their rebellion bore death, sin bore death. You're going to see that play out in a little more detail as we continue. So let's do that. Let's continue. What verse am I in? Thank you so much. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Tell Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, to pick up the censers out of the blaze, for they are holy come on what's holy the censors of the 250 men who rebelled against god god says pick those up they're holy what does holy mean they're set apart what are they set apart for they're set apart for a memorial to put a cover on the ark of the covenant so that the people of israel the children of God, the people of God, will always remember that this is the result of rebellion and witchcraft. Mm -hmm. It's separated out to God to be a reminder to the church. It's holy. Pick them up. Pick the censers out of the blaze, for they are holy, and scatter the fire some distance away. The censers of these men who sinned against their own souls—Who do they sin against? Their own souls. Let them be made into hammered plates as a covering for the altar, because they are, for the altar, not the ark of the covenant for the altar. That's what I meant to say. Because they are presented, uh, for they presented them before the Lord. Therefore, they are holy why are they holy because they presented them for the lord and and they shall be a sign to the children of of israel so eleazar the priest took the bronze censers which those who were burned up had presented and they were hammered out as a covering on the altar to be a memorial to the children of israel that no outsider who is not a descendant of Aaron, should come near to offer incense before the Lord, that he might not become like Korah and his companies, just as the Lord has said to him through Moses. And so he's doing this, he's making this covering for the altar so that he won't have to do this again, because he didn't like doing it. It was something that had to be done because the Lord can't look upon sin you're going to see the same thing happening again god cannot tolerate sin he can't look upon sin he hates it he doesn't like it when you do it because he knows what consequences you and i are going to suffer if we choose rebelling against him especially when we know better especially when we know better and so they do that They do that. So let's just review. Let me just talk just a minute about bitterness, which is what causes all this, and they're going to continue to walk in that in just a moment as we continue. But God had chosen Moses and Aaron to anoint them, and they became bitter. Why? Why did they become bitter? Because they asked the question, Well, if they can do it, why can't I do it? Why them? Why not me? Why can't I do it? And what happens is bitterness then turns to jealousy, and then jealousy manifests as control. We start then trying to manipulate things and control things, and what you see in this is the beginning of Jezebel. Now, this is a deep subject, but Jezebel, anybody anybody ever heard about Jezebel? (laughs) There's a there's there's a there's a queen and she's Jezebel and she uses manipulation and control over Ahab to get her stuff done. And so, and so bitterness causes us to begin to try to manipulate and control things. And when we do that, we're opening ourselves up to total rebellion. Jealousy manifests itself in control. Bitterness uh, needs to be dealt with in the church. Listen to me. Bitterness needs to be dealt with in the church. The, the number one sin in the church today is bitterness. We're bitter against towards people. We're get bitter against the church. There's all kinds of things that we're bitter about, and, and we act as if that's okay. I can be bitter. Well, What the Bible says about bitterness, it says bitterness is equal to adultery. It says it's equal to um, greed, and greed is idolatry. And so if you're bitter, why do you think, I mean, in the church, what we try to do is we say, oh, you're bitter? Well, let me help you get over your bitterness. If somebody's committing adultery in the church, we don't say, let me help you get over your adultery. We say, quit. So why do you why do we try to help you know bitterness is is equivalent in God's eyes to adultery. He he even says about the church that you're an adulterous church, and so there's this thing going on. But what we've got to recognize is that we can't continue to walk in bitterness because it's going to not only eat you up but it's going to eat up those people around you. And it manifests as control, and then it turns into uh, jealousy. And uh, there's this this, uh, pattern of bitterness, and it bears fruit. And what you see, if you know that you're being influenced by bitterness, let me just give you just like seven things real quickly that you can recognize that bitterness might be in your heart. First of all, if you're bitter about something, you, you might go through prolonged discouragement. You might have discouragement for a prolonged period of time you ever felt discouraged for a long time then you get confused and then you get depressed you, you get confused by saying why is this happening to me you start asking the question over and over again why why me why is this happening why can't I do better why can't this you know so-and-so is getting blessed why can't I get blessed and that turns into confusion and then then we get depressed about our situation We start having this huge pity party and then we get to a place where we don't come out of it. And then then we lose vision from ever coming out of it. And, And then that causes our, gives us an inability to even function. And then what we end up doing is withdrawing from society and from friendships. And then we end up in despair. Have you ever known anybody that's like that? I know people in our church That are experiencing that right now. And it's caused. Because they have allowed bitterness. To take over. And it does its work. It moves through. You you see that here. You're going to see that here in just a moment. The reason I talked about that so much. Is because what we see here. I see all the time in the church. And when I say the church. I mean individuals in the church. So let's walk through this one more time. Moses goes to Egypt and gets all them people out. They cross the Red Sea on dry ground. They're wandering around in the desert, and they see the glory of God on the mountain. They see, hear the voice of God with thunderings and lightnings. They see all that stuff happening. They, 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 they are being fed by manna in the day. There's miracles going on all around them right and and so and so then then they rebel against the leadership because they think they can do it better or at least they want to be just like them or included in making the decisions or at least presenting everything to God so they want to rise up to their level and so they rebel and then we see God judge that and so we see just as God ate up Pharaoh's army in the Red Sea, we see this witchcraft, this rebellion being consumed in the earth, right? We see this; these families fall in the ground and be eaten we see, by the ground. We see 250 people get consumed by the fire of God where the people fall on their faces and run... Right? What would be your response? I hope your response would be, I need to get right with God. But it wasn't. Their response in verse 41, on the next day, all the congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron. And they said, you have killed the people of the Lord. Jealousy makes you totally blind. Bitterness makes you unable to be able to assess a situation soberly. And it gets you to, to a place where you, can't even, you couldn't see the will of God if it hit you in the face. And you wonder why you're not getting ble- the blessing of God. It's because you've got to always line up. You have killed the people of the Lord. Now it happened when the congregation had gathered against Moses and Aaron, and they'd do it again. So you got Moses and Aaron standing there, and then you got the congregation, you got a mob coming at them again because they say that Moses and Aaron had killed the people of the Lord. Now it happened when they, they, they began to turn and, and come toward Moses and Aaron and they turned toward the tabernacle of meeting, meeting and suddenly the cloud of God, the glory of the Lord, covered it. And the glory of the Lord appeared. And then Moses and Aaron came before the tabernacle of meeting. And the Lord, who did he speak to? Moses, get away from among the congregation that I may consume them in a moment. And they fell on their faces. Who fell on their faces? Yes. So Moses and Aaron said to Aaron, no, the congregation fell on their faces. That's what I wanted you to hear. Because watch this. You got, I want you to, you need to picture that in your mind's eye. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, get away from among the congregation that I may consume them in a moment. And the congregation fell on the faces. And Moses said to Aaron, take a censer and put a fire in it from the altar. Put incense on it and take it quickly to the congregation and make atonement for them. For the wrath has gone out from the Lord and the plague has begun. And so there's judgment coming on, rebellion. And you see it happening. And you see the judgment of God automatically being being." delivered to the people because of their attitude toward God. Do you see that? Now, what G- Moses understands is, is there's got to be atonement for sin. And so what he says, so God says, get away from them, Moses, so I can consume them because of their rebellion, because of their re- witchcraft. And Moses says, Aaron, you go get the oil. Get it quick. So you can go make atonement. And so he runs, gets the oil, begins to run back. The plague has already begun in the back of the, or, or the front, one, one end or the other. Take a censer, put fire in it from the altar, put incense on it, take it quickly to the congregation and make atonement for them for the wrath has gone out. From the Lord the plague has begun, and then Aaron took it as Moses commanded and ran into the midst of the assembly, and already the plague had begun among the people. So he put in in the incense and made atonement for the people, and he stood between the dead and the living. Somebody say hallelujah. And he stood between the dead and the living, so the plague was stopped. Now, those who died in the plague were 14,700, besides those who died with Korah, that 250 and those family members. So Aaron returned to Moses at the door of the tabernacle of meeting, for the plague had stopped. If you think that you can. Walk in rebellion and bitterness and jealousy and discontentment and get away with it and get the blessing of God on your life. You are confused. You are falling into the tactics of the enemy and you're operating in witchcraft. It will cause you to rebel Against the authority that God has put in place. And God says, Stop it. Now, Jesus died for you and me. And so we have atonement. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that we're not going to die? But do you think that you're going to get the blessings of heaven? You're going to get the kingdom poured out on you if you continue to operate in bitterness and jealousy? It's impossible. Do you see that? That's why this story is written. God has made atonement for you and me, and we won't die. But he doesn't want us to just survive till we get to heaven. He wants to bless us. He wants us to be poured out. So that's why i got to go to 17. Do I have time? Yes, I do. I have 10 minutes. So we're going to go to 17. Now watch this. This is so stinking good. (laughs) And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and get from them a rod from each of the father's houses, all the leaders according to the father's houses, twelve the 12 tribes, 12 rods. Write each man's name on his rod. And you shall write Aaron's name on the rod of Levi. For there shall be one rod from the head of each father's house. Then you shall place them in the tabernacle of meeting before the testimony where I will meet with you. And it shall be that the rod of the man who I choose will blossom. Thus I will rid myself of the complaints of the children of Israel which they make against you. So Moses spoke to the children of Israel And each of their leaders gave him a rod, a piece, for each leader according to their father's houses. Twelve rods, and the rod of Aaron was among their rods. And Moses placed the rods before the Lord in the uh, the tabernacle of witness. Now it came to pass on the next day, the next day, now, you got to remember, now, this is a rod. I wish I had an old shepherd's rod, but that's what it was. It's just a pole. You, you dudes ever gone camping or whatever, maybe you girls too, and got a big stick and, you know, a big spear or a hiking something, another? All right, I got the girls, some of the girls are going, uh-uh, I ain't never done that. Well, Liz did it one time, but there was still a man on her pillow. No, that's not true. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a, it's a stick that's dead, right? I mean, you cut the thing off, you use it at uh, you know to walk it was moses' rod and, and and Aaron's rod. it was a shepherd's rod. it probably had a probably had a, a loop on it, you know, but it's a big tall thing it, it you know it's probably even got uh polyurethane on it no, they didn't have polyurethane <laughs> then, but you know what I'm talking about it's been treated right, so it's this dead wood they put it in the tabernacle and and they're in their You know, they stick it in there for twenty-four hours. (laughs) So Moses spoke to the children, and they did all that stuff. Where am I? Eight. Thank you. Now it came to pass on the next day that Moses went into the tabernacle of witness, and behold, the rod of Aaron, the house of Levi, had sprouted. It sprouted, and I could preach on this. It sprouted. It put forth buds, had produced blossoms, and yielded ripe almonds. Then Moses brought out all the rods from before the Lord to all the children of Israel. They looked, and each man took his rod. And the Lord said to Moses, Bring Aaron's rod back before the testimony to be kept as a sign against the rebels that you may put their complaints away from me lest they die. Thus did Moses, just as the Lord had commanded him, so he did. So the children of Israel spoke to Moses, saying, Surely we will die, we will perish, we'll all perish. Whoever... Even comes near the tabernacle, the Lord must die. Shall we all utterly die? And the answer was no. But he had this dead branch that he had anointed. And it was his time. It was his calling. And he took something that was dead. And not only did he bring it to life, it began to sprout Then it began to bud. Then it blossomed, had flowers on it. Then it began to bear fruit. It produced almonds in 24 hours. When you're at the place that God has you for a reason, and you don't try to get somebody else's position, but you are content with where God has you, He will raise you up. You humble yourself, and God will raise you up. But wherever you are, if you're where you're supposed to be, if you're content there, if you're saying, this is a big thing God has me here, you don't think where God has you is a small thing. This is not a small thing. This is God's provision for me. This is God's anointing on my life. I'm going to bloom right here. I'm going to produce almonds right here. This dead vessel that I have is going to come to life and I'm going to, in, in a short period of time, because the Lord is on it, is going to begin to bear fruit. I'm not going to be rebellious. I'm not going to operate in witchcraft. I'm not going to try to control And I'm not going to try to manipulate my way into something that's not mine. I'm going to allow the Lord to raise me up. And I'm going to humble myself. And I'm going to think where I am is important. Where I am, I'm anointed. Where I am, God has called me. And where he calls me, he's going to use me and bring life. Amen. Amen? Isn't that good? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray. Father, help us. Help us to understand why you wrote this story, why you made a memorial, why it's holy. Because the tactics of the enemy are the same. He wants us to be better. He wants us to be jealous. He wants us to be controlling. He wants us to be manipulative, to get something that's not ours, to not be content, to say, why why am I not there? Why can't I do those things? What makes them so special? But you've got place for us. You, You have an anointing for me. I can't be looking and coveting other things. I have to think that where you have me is special. I have to think that where you have me is enough. I have to understand, God, that with your anointing on my life, that, the, that incredible things can happen in a 24-hour period. That I can bud, that I can blossom, and I can sprout and I can bear fruit yes. because your hand is upon me. So Father, we we come against witchcraft yeah. and control and bitterness and jealousy yes. and manipulation at Eastside Church. Yes. Yes. We come against God, any person seeking position yeah. or any spirit that's trying to get a person. That's betterly better said, Lord. Any spirit is trying to get a person to seek position. Yeah. And Father, we want to just consider that where you have us and what we're doing, God is anointed and is going to do incredible work because your hand is upon us and it's what you called us to do. And whenever there's something else, God, you you you've got the ones in authority in place, and you're going to show us, God, those of us in authority, what you want to do. And Father, I pray that in our marriages. I pray that in our relationships. I pray that in our workplaces. God, may we see it at work, and may we not fall into the trap of coveting and being discontented about our position. May we just receive your anointing and flourish and bloom and bear fruit, and you're, you're going to put the authority in place. If I'm supposed to be in authority, God, you can put me there. Thank you for that. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to give you one more way that the devil, this is what I believe the devil says all the time. He'll use your friend, listen, He'll use your friend to say to you, you know, you'd do a better job than Bill. You know, you'd do a better job. I think you'd do a great job than whoever's in charge. Why, why, why aren't you in charge? That is the enemy. And you need to recognize that that's the enemy. I, I think you're more gifted than your boss. Why aren't you doing that? If, they, if, 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 if those in authority could see, see what I see in you, And they're just getting it all wrong. You ought to be doing that. That's just the devil trying to get you to begin to act in rebellion. Don't you fall for it. Amen? It's an age-old tactic. Hallelujah. Mm. Father, I thank you for healing and help. I thank you that we're going to prosper as our soul prospers. I thank you that our minds are renewed by the renewing, uh, that we're that 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 we're prospering by the renewing of our mind. That we're going to think like you and we're going to do like you. That why we do what we do is because you've placed us there. It's not our will; it's yours. Thank you for that, God. Bless, bless, bless in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the East Side Church Podcast. If you have any questions or need more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co.